Welcome to the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the Lock Executioners. We're going to be eating lightning and talking thunder and protecting and serving your ear holes today. Oof. Ooh, I nail it every time, don't I? You, uh, you're pretty excited about today's show, aren't you? <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, a, couple, a few more text messages than normal. Um, I could tell the excitement, the way you were talking. You added, you added Don Brown into our group text to talk about today's show. So, as it was leading up, you, I could Ross, tell you were state, excited. We have a state senator in here. Okay? That's right. So I Damn think right you throw do. some respect on it. Okay? Like, <laughs> well, like, see all these notes I, I have. These, look, look, hold on. I just want because uh, we have a video here. So, I, see all these notes I have, typed up, handwritten notes. You did and, your research. And, 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 can we show the people what you have? Hey, come on, come on. Can we show the people I, what you I, have? I started my research. Chris Tharp. <laughs> Yours says Chris Tharp. That's what. Yeah, okay, so oh. good. We have hey, our own, hey, we have our own way of doing research. I do mine live while we're talking. Is that oh is yeah. that what you do? That's what I do. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's I worked see. out well so far. <laughs> well, we kind of introduced our guest, I guess, without really trying. Um, excited to have him in today. Um, I'm gonna go Ross. So he's been he's with been a, a police officer for 25 years. Okay. So I'm gonna kind of run through his titles. He, and he, he was a police officer over in Missouri for a couple years, and then moved over to Madison County, and he's been there. For 23 years. 25 years in law enforcement. Why are you getting into politics? That's a great question. And, and we're, hey, we're, not, we're not using a timeline, huh? We're just going to just I jump, Well, I mean, it, it just comes to me just so, so much that it, it seems like, well, why are you getting into politics? 25 years of law enforcement, and then you're going you're gonna to put yourself through this. Yeah, that's a great question. First off, thanks for having me today. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. And, uh, Impressive operation. <laughs> I was giving you guys props before we went live and uh, in recording, but this is uh, this is tremendous. It, it's the it's the only thing it's the only thing legit about this podcast. <laughs> to be honest with you, Chris. <laughs> that and our seven listeners. Uh, but to your question, uh, why why would I want to do this? Why uh, now? And you know, my response is that you know I think all roads in my career, all all roads in my personal life, led me to this point. And you know, I, I don't know that we sometimes know as we're going through our journey in life, whether it's professional or it's uh, our personal life, but I don't know that we understand that some of the trials and tribulations that we go to perhaps are preparing us for something else. And I do believe, and I do adhere to the, to the uh, belief that we go through things for a reason. And um, everything that I've had a chance to experience as a police officer, uh, my personal journey, which I'm excited to talk about today, it, it led me to this point. And I think it's had, it, had this opportunity come 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been prepared for, uh, nor would I have been uh, uh, probably somebody that would have even been considered for this opportunity. But, you know, given the good fortune that I've had, the experiences that I've collected over the course of uh, my two decades in law enforcement, it's prepared me well. And, you know, as I've aged, you know, coming up on middle age, you know, I've got kids that are that are grown and we're talking about their legacy and uh, we're talking about the community that we live in and um, the opportunity to be able to do things for the community that raised you, the community that invested in you and uh, something, a legacy for your kids. That's an opportunity you just can't pass up. And it's a, a tremendous honor and a tremendous responsibility that I'm excited to take on. Hell of an answer. <laughs> Hell of an answer. That was freaking good. Yeah. That was very good. I, and, I, and, and I, I, don't, I don't ask that question meaning you know, you shouldn't or looking down upon getting into politics or anything like that because we need good people. 
in politics. And that's what, but man, I know there's a lot of stuff that goes into it that just makes you really, I mean, it, you got to really be serious about it to get into it. And that's a good point. And those that know me, you know, I'm not a career politician. And, you know, I, I've gone through great lengths in my career to, especially in law enforcement, to to stay out of politics because I don't believe that as a police officer that that's what our job is. Our job is to uphold the laws and ensure our communities are safe. And so I've always gone through great lengths to try to stay neutral and just to try to do what's right. And um, I've been as, you know, fresh. I'm, I'm just a guy, right? I'm the same guy that you all knew uh, before anybody knew that I was going to get into the political arena. And um, it's funny because when people find out you're going into politics, that's the first response I get is what, what are you <laughs> thinking? Why, why are you doing this? And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, I like everyone have concerns about our, our community, our region, our district, our state, uh, our nation. And, you know, I have beliefs and, um, I have values that were instilled in me in, in the town that we're in right now, Wood River. And, uh, so there are no Illinois values that I think need to be represented in Springfield. And, uh, I'm excited for that opportunity, and it, uh, it inspires me every day. And the days are long, um, but that's what keeps you going, is the, uh, the gravity of knowing that you can do something positive for the uh, community that's invested in you for all these years. Awesome. That's off to you. Love yes. that. Uh, with, with that being said, and, and you mentioned Wood River, let's, let's kind of, let's now, Ross jumped this way ahead of our yeah, time. Now, if you like want to step do. back and you want to, but I, I couldn't let that go. I had to know. Yeah. you. Yeah. If you want to get, you get back to your list of notes, go ahead. <laughs> you spelled Chris wrong. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> don't, don't feel bad. Okay. Is it a K? It's K. Yeah, that's okay. Right. okay. I'm changing it. Come on. Um, so yeah, I should have known that because I mean, ever since you tagged me in, in the Facebook post, um, I get on YouTube, I get on Google, it's Chris Tharpads. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's, let's, let's rewind here. And you, you brought up Wood River. And so, so tell us a little bit about growing up. I, I'm pretty sure you grew up here in Wood River, right here in this town. I did. So my story, it, born and raised in Wood River. I mean, quite literally, I was, I was born at Wood River Hospital. I was raised on Acton Avenue here in town, a uh, little house my mom still lives in. Uh, I have an older brother, uh, Kevin. We're 10 years uh, apart in age. He's 10 years older than me. Uh, my story, and I think, it's, I think it probably resonates within the district. I don't think that my story is unique. Everybody's journey is different, but this is mine. Uh, my parents divorced when I was born. Uh, my father left. Uh, our family didn't come back. Leaving my mom, who was a, a, a housewife at the time, you know, on her own volition to find a way to raise her two sons. Um, my father wasn't engaged in my family at all. So, so basically you were zero, one years old, and your brother was about nine or ten at the time? That's right. Yeah, He okay. was ten. And so, you know, so that presented some real challenges for my mom. You know, she was a housewife, and here she was trying to figure out a way, how am I going to survive? And it, it came down to a matter of survival and raising her two boys. And she had to make a lot of tough decisions. And she became a certified nurse's assistant, a CNA. And she you know, picked herself, uh, picked herself up by the bootstraps, and she worked extraordinarily hard to provide for my brother and I. Uh, times were lean, and you know, we were dependent on welfare, uh, the medical card, uh, government assistance. Um, you know, when I say that I'm the benefactor of the goodwill of men and women in this community. That's, that's not an embellishment. It, it, I really would not be here. And I could tell you, I can give you countless examples of people 
over the course of my life that that invested in me and my family. And, you know, those were lessons that that perhaps you don't necessarily understand or appreciate when you're a young person. But as you get older, it really crystallizes things for you. And, uh, you know, our local church and whatever, you know, giving us groceries whenever we needed them. I can remember a Christmas uh, where we had nothing in the house. My mom was working as a nurse's aide, especially back then. The hours were long. Um, pay was low. You know, it was a poverty wage, and we're struggling. And I remember a knock at the door uh, a little bit before Christmas, and it was our local church bringing in gifts for my brother and I, just out of the kindness of their hearts. And again, I as I close my eyes and I think about it, I, I can literally go back to that feeling and um, just the feeling of love. And um, I still have that profound gratitude because I know Again, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if, if it wasn't for that type of kindness and teachers. And I, again, I could tell you countless stories, but um, that is what we were relying on, the kindness of others. And, you know, my mom, we didn't have a car in my family until I, uh, I was going to say that because I, I reached out to people that, that know you ahead of time just to try to get some in. And someone said you didn't have you guys, your family didn't have a car until you were in high school. That's right. So my wow. mom would walk to work and I would walk to school and so did she was she work at the Wood River Hospital then but she worked at VIP Manor nursing home oh, okay she actually worked there for 40 years and <laughs> just one of the most courageous hard-working women that I've ever met in my life she you know she kept my brother and I you know out of trouble I by the grace of God and through her uh through her parenting she was able to pull that off and in the neighborhood that I grew up in I'm not going to portray it as, you know, a rough neighborhood, but it was a lower income neighborhood. And a lot of the guys that I grew up with, they didn't have the good fortune that I had. And I, I understand now, especially as a parent myself, the work that she put in and, you know, this, the gratitude that I have for the woman that she is, uh, the mother that she is, um, you know, it's, I feel indebted, you know, to, to, to represent her the best that I possibly can because I know how much she sacrificed for my brother and I. But, you know, we didn't have a car in our in our home, so that presented some challenges. Um, but it instilled, too, I mean, it's you go to work every day and you, uh, you do what you've got to do um, for your family. And I learned that from my mom. And, you know, times were lean and we did struggle. And, you know, when it comes down to you know, whether a family, you know, pays for a prescription or, or pays for groceries, um, I know what that feels like. I, I went through it. I, I know what it's like to stand in line, you know, for government powdered milk and peanut butter and government cheese. <laughs> that cheese, man. It was good. It was good stuff. <laughs> but, uh, but that's what I know what that feels like because I, I went through it. And I think that there's a, a value to having that type of perspective in Springfield. I think... And that's what it is. It's perspective. It's 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 a feeling that I've never forgotten. And I think one of the key things, and, and to the first question that I was asked when I got here today, why do you want to do this? Why? Mm -hmm. That's exactly why. Because you know, I think representation. You know, this Senate seat that I currently hold, the 56th Legislative District, it's it should be a voice for everyone. And when I say everyone, that I mean regardless of your race your religion, uh, your station in life, whether you have an abundance or you have very little, everybody should have a voice and everybody deserves to be represented. And that's what I'm doing now. That's what I will continue to do. And that's what I think people should demand, right? Um, and I don't know that 
that always happens in politics. And I think that my life story, I, th- I, don't, I think it's very common. You know, it's, I think a lot of families are struggling right now. And it's important that there's somebody in Springfield that has the ability to, to, to influence laws and uh, to um, share their stories. I think that it's, it's their, it, it's, it's my responsibility to do so, and it's something that I take very serious. And so, I think that perspective is very valuable. So, so with your background there that you just described, <clears throat> and then get in and, and saying that's you know a big reason of why you're going to get into politics and try to get to Springfield, what what will be, what will you improve? From the story you just said, what are you going to bring with you to try to improve or, or to be the voice of? Well, let me kind of expound on that a little bit and tell you a little bit about more about my story. And then I think that will help crystallize what I intend to do in Springfield. And, you know, so I was the first person in my family to later go on to college and put himself through school. Um, and that is only because of, of, of people that, again, invested in me and believed in me. I I was an adult learner. I went to college later in life. And if I could just share a quick story with you about the power of positivity and the power of speaking praise to others, which I hope all your listeners, you know, listen to this part of it because the effect that we have on people in just a simple gesture telling somebody that you believe in them, that resonates for for years. And uh, you guys do so much positive stuff in the community, you know, you know, Todd with the the changing, you know, people's, you know, their, 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 their health habits and, and getting physically active, you know, telling somebody, hey, you can do it. I believe in you. And I'm here beside you on your journey to get you to your goals. Um, I went to Lewis and Clark uh, Community College uh, as an adult, and I wanted to get my associate's degree at the time. And I had taken a few classes out of high school, and I wasn't prepared for it. And uh, <laughs> it was a debacle. And I, uh, I failed miserably at my first endeavor at college. So as an adult, I went back, knowing that it was something that I, I needed to do. And Darren Carlton, who is now the mayor of East Alton, he had been the police chief, but he had taken over the criminal justice program at Lewis and Clark. And I met with him uh, on one morning uh, before work at the sheriff's office because I wanted to enroll in the program. And I sat in his office, and we talked about what it would take to, for me to get my associate's degree. And as he laid it out for me, it seemed so daunting. It seemed impossible. I was working full time supporting my family with a very demanding schedule. And he told me the amount of time and investment in the work that would be required to successfully get my associate's degree. And in that moment, it seemed completely hopeless. And, you know, truth be told, I I sat there and I kind of teared up and my stomach kind of rolled over and I thought, I can't do this. There's no way that I can. I, I, I don't have the time. I, I don't know that I'm smart enough to get through this. <laughs> and th- all those thoughts were going through my mind in that one moment in time. And Darren looked at me. And I don't know Darren exceptionally well. I know him uh, professionally. You know, we had met over the course of, of the years. But he looked me in the eye and said, Chris, you can do this. He said, you're smarter than you think that you, that you are. You're more disciplined than what you know. I believe in you. And you've got this. Let's start with that first step. And I did. And I later was able to get my associate's degree, taking night classes while I was working. I actually went full-time as a student and worked full-time at the sheriff's office. But because of that conversation that I had with Darren, I had gone that far. Well, then I went a little bit further, and I, I enrolled at Lindenwood, and I was able to get my undergrad. And once I had gone that far, 
I had the courage and the confidence based on that one conversation that I had with Darren Carlton on that morning, and I was able to get my graduate degree. And that, to me, is the power that we all have just as, as humans, not as legislators, not as business owners, but just as human beings to speak praise and positivity to people and help them uh, achieve what their goals are and their dreams. And, you know, I think that when you're in a position to elevate others, and it could be in any, any, any capacity, you could be at a grocery store and just, just being kind to a stranger, um, again, you, you just don't know the impact you can have on someone's life. And in that one moment, Darren Carlton I know he wasn't thinking about what's Chris Tharp going to do six, seven years from now, 20 years from now, but you could trace back my career in education to that one conversation. Now, had he said, you know what, Chris, I'm not sure you can do this. Your schedule is too demanding. Um, you, was, you weren't a great student the first <laughs> round at it. This probably isn't for you. Had he said that, I would have been defeated, and I may never have had the courage to take on that endeavor, but because he chose to be the light, uh, my story is much different, and um, again, I'm the benefactor of, of good people like Darren Carlton, who who chose to be that light for me, and I'll never forget it. That's that's awesome. We kind of that's kind of a th- running theme we have in here, isn't it? Like, I gave a speech not too long ago about, about my grade school basketball coach, seventh and eighth grade, who affected my life and what I do now. Just from, and I I spoke at his uh, a little memorial here a couple weeks ago. And it was just, and people are probably wondering, why is this guy who hasn't seen, who hasn't been around him in 30 years, 40 years, why is he speaking? It's because he just touched me in that short amount of time. And you're exactly right. Just one little thing like that. And we all need to think about just any interaction with young people or anyone in general, you know, an act of kindness, an act of encouragement can just change the course of a you know, lifetime. That's absolutely. And, you know, another thing that, you know, we're, we're huge on here we and we're so thankful for and blessed is kind of as you described your mom, our mom's kind of the same way. Grab grab her bootstraps and, and whatever she has to do for her family while we were, while we were growing up is what she was going to do. Drive a school bus, clean houses, whatever it was. Had wild boys somehow very sort of kept them <laughs> under control. Yeah. You know. But you learned so much from that hard work and that, you know, that do anything mentality. You really do. I mean, and, I mean, look at you guys. I mean, you're out killing it now. And uh, that's a testament to your upbringing and the people that loved you and invested in you. And, you know, you know, for my mom, yes, we struggle. But, you know, I, I tell people that my mom is the greatest success story that I know because, yes, we, we didn't come from much and we may not have much, uh, but we don't measure success in, in, in money. I mean, my, my mother was able to raise two sons that went on to raise two families, uh, who have done, we said out of trouble, we've done relatively well for ourselves. And, you know, that little house my mom was renting for all those years while she was receiving some help from the government to help provide for her boys, well, now she owns that home. <laughs> she was able to get off of welfare. She's able to buy the house. She owns it. Now, it's not much, but it's hers. And with that comes the pride. And that's the dream, right? I mean, that's what we all strive for is just our little place in the world that we call our own that wasn't given, but it was earned. And my mom has earned every bit of what she's got. Now, again, it's not, if you measure it in, uh, in conventional terms, you may not think she has much, but I would stand to differ and say that she's one of the richest people that I've ever met. I'm, gl- I'm glad you said that because probably a lot of people need to hear that. You just said that your mom is the greatest success story that you know of. And she, she's not, you know, I, I don't know, but 
not wealthy. She didn't go out and make millions and, and things like that, but it's where she started and where she finished and, and then what she was able to pass on to her kids who then go out and pass on to their own families. And it just, that one seed continues to grow and the success just keeps going. She, she has a, a son who's a senator right now and has been a cop for 25 years. She also, his, his son is also a police officer here in Wood River. Do you know what I'm saying? It just, it just keeps, you know, yeah. broke a cycle and just, and just kept it going. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I love that. I, I, I love that too. And just, this is kind of jumping ahead real quick, but like that, it seems like your schedule back then when you're going to school and working full time kind of sets you up for the schedule you're doing now. Right. Cause what, through all my research, <laughs> he, so he's working six to two, from 6 AM to 2 PM at the Madison County, uh, at the Madison County police officer at the jail. And, uh, and he's campaigning and everything that comes along with that afterwards. Well, I didn't, re- I didn't realize that I, w- I would have just assumed that you were full time on the campaign trail. Yeah. Cause right. the time you, I mean, you gotta be everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Weren't, weren't you at, weren't you at our bags tournament? Yeah. I mean, just, but small things like that. You, I mean, to get your face out there, you got to be everywhere. Yeah, so the schedule is is quite demanding. So, like Todd said, my day typically starts around five a.m. and I I go to the sheriff's office <laughs> and I take care of of what needs to be done there. Um, and first off, I just want to say, law enforcement number one for those listening, support your law enforcement, support your first responders because the job they do is absolutely incredible. We've got incredible police officers, incredible firefighters, incredible EMS workers in our region, and they deserve our respect. And uh, please, if you see one of those guys or gals today or any time in the near future, tell them how much you appreciate them. Uh, But it's been my passion. It's been my love. And I'm so grateful for um, the opportunity to say that that I belong to that that profession, that I am a police officer. And I I want people to know that... um, that is another big reason why I decided to get into this realm of, 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 of politics because there absolutely has to be a strong voice for our police, um, both locally on the state level uh, and, and, and nationwide. I know this district, I know this town, I know you guys support law enforcement, but again, I, it's something that, uh, that's worth saying over and over again, that they deserve our respect and they certainly need our, res- uh, our support. And, um, we're always going to give it. Um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of jobs as you know we move into more modern times. A lot of jobs have gotten easier. Police officer job has only gotten harder as the times went on. Do you know what I'm saying? With just everything going on in the world, when did when did you know? Because you talked about you know had a job working full time, supporting your family, going, and then you went back to school. When did you know that you wanted to be a police officer? Did you know it at an early age, and then it just didn't, or did it? Did what? What kind of turned you on to it? I was 16, and I was I was a freshman sophomore in high school. Um, there was a local whatever police officer that was married to my cousin, and he had always been one of those guys that had been a light for me. He had always had kind words for me during the holidays. He uh, always treated me uh, with just a, an abundance of kindness, and he was a role model for me, even though he didn't even realize that he was, but. But he was, uh, he was just a good human, and he took time to be uh, kind to me when he didn't have to. And, of course, I grew up one block from the police department. So as a kid, those squad cars would go screaming by my house with the lights and siren. And I think every kid is probably attracted to the allure of, of, of the excitement that, that comes with, you know, 
first responders and police work. Um, I knew I wanted to be a police officer when I was in high school. And a funny story, um, talking about people who have invested in me. Um, I struggled at different times throughout my, my young adulthood and my school career. And I was a senior in high school, and I wasn't doing exceptionally well. I was frustrated. Um, I was working two part-time jobs, and academically, I was floundering. And it was the last semester of my senior year, and a teacher uh, grabbed me by my ear and pulled me into <laughs> her classroom as I was walking down the hallway. And she asked me, what, what is your plan? What are you going to do? She didn't say it quite that nice to me. And I said, well, you know, I'm not sure. I, I think I want to be a police officer. And she said, well, the rate that you're going, you may not graduate high school. <laughs> so I suggest you get your act together, and you're going to be in my classroom at lunch to make sure your homework is done, and you're going to be in my classroom after school to make sure that you've done what needs to be done so you can get yourself out of the high school. And then once that happens, I'm going to drive you down to the Wood River Police Department, and we're going to meet with the police chief, <laughs> and we're going to find out what it really requires to be a policeman. Uh -huh. If that's what you but, want to uh, do, we're going to figure it out. And that's great. That's what she did. I spent the next uh, four months in her classroom at lunch. I was there after school every day, and true to her word, she drove me down to the Wood River Police Department. We met with Chuck Nunn, who was the, uh, the chief back then, and uh, she went into his office, and I suspect she grabbed him by the ear like she did me. And she, <laughs> I walked out of the police department that day with a job. I was, a, I was hired as a police cadet at 18. So the day after I graduated high school, I started as a police cadet down in Wood River. And just another example of uh, somebody that invested in me when they didn't have to. And uh, that person's name was Susan Whipple, Susan Broadway now. Uh, a retired teacher from Wood River High School, but I owe her just a ton. Um, I, I'm so grateful that she took the time to do that for me because although I said I wanted to be a police officer, I didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, and I didn't know where I was going to start. I didn't know even how to get the ball rolling, and she took that initiative. And again, just that one act of kindness really set into motion a series of events that led me to where I'm at today. Um, it's funny you mentioned uh, one of your teachers and through all my research, I'm just going to keep bragging about this all the time. You always do, so I don't know why you would stop <laughs> on this show. Anyway, uh, I was going through, and I think, I don't know if it was The Advantage or The, the Riverbender or one of the like local sort of media outlets. Uh, like one of your old teachers sent in, like wrote a letter, like a le letter to the editor kind of backing you. And it was, I, I wish I would have printed it up, but it was, it was really good. Just... It, it, more or less, the, the, what I took out of it is how you used to sort of motivate other kids or whatever around you. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what she kind of talked about in that. Yeah, I, I read that. I don't remember her name. I'm Julie, Julie Twitchell is her name. And Julie, her very first year in teaching was my seventh grade uh, year in, in junior high. And another example, you know, throughout my entire life, you know, once – once we get out of school, you know, you may be at the grocery store, you may see a former teacher, right? And maybe they remember you, maybe they don't. But Julie always remembered me. And I would see her out somewhere, and she would go out of her way. Chris, how are you? You know, I'm proud of you. Even though I doubt she knew what I had going on that day or that year, but she would say, you know what, I'm proud of you. I, it's great to see you. I'm glad that you're doing well. And she's continued to do that for me. And, you know, for her to, to do that and to uh, write that, um, just profoundly grateful. Um, but you know, I, 
you know, I, I'm sure that I could be a tyrant as a kid, like most boys could, but you know, you always try to do the best you can to try to be, I was always involved in athletics and I always had good, uh, role models, you know, coaches and teachers. And, um, I always tried to be that person. I wasn't perfect. And, but I had good people like Julie that, that, you know, that tried to show me the way and, um, you know, we do the best that we can. And, uh, people like Julie though, I owe a lot to, uh, just like Susan Whipple, Broadway, and, um, just a host of other educators that, that really took care of me. Now, throughout his career, Ross, this is this is some of the uh, positions he's held. So, patrol duty, field training officer, detective, major co- major case squad investigator, major case squad supervisor, juvenile officer, elderly service officer, sergeant, detect- detective lieutenant, major case squad deputy commander, captain, Madison County Jail Administrator. That is a lot. Are those um, are those jobs that you kept climbing the ladder, or were some of them like, "Oh, I'm interested in that field. I want to go try it out." Both, both. Uh, yeah, that's that's a, that's a progression through the rank structure at the sheriff's office. Uh, some of those are lateral moves. Some of those are moves you just take on that that perhaps it's not a rank. It's just more of a it's a certification one would acquire. Um, you know, you start out on the patrol level, answering calls in a squad car, and I was able to move up quickly. I spent most of my career as a detective, and that's really where my passion was. It was something that was I seemed to be well suited for, and uh, my journey in law enforcement's been special. And I, I, I look back on it, and it t- it's taken me places that I never would have thought possible. You know, I was able to go on and and attend the uh, FBI National Academy in Quantico. I graduated that 11-week program. And uh, that's something that less than 1% of all law enforcement in the country get to do. And I feel like I snuck in the back door. <laughs> but, uh, but I doubt that, hearing but, this. But the chance to be able to, you know, do the things that I've done at the sheriff's office, the chance to go on to the FBI Academy, to go on and be able to get my education. Um, I actually teach at the uh, police academy. I'm adjunct out at SWIC. And so I was actually able to teach my son when he was going through the academy oh. and my nephew when he was in the academy. What, 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 what were you teaching when your son went through? I taught uh, some investigative classes, uh, elder abuse, neglect, child abuse, child neglect. Now, now you've, won, you've won some awards sort of in the elderly. I, I don't know what I'm trying to look for, but like, what am I trying to say here? Because like, I, I saw that one of your, one of your was an uh, elderly service officer. Now, you've won some awards in that field, right? And I wonder now hearing your story, I wonder if... Your sort of uh, your your excellent performance and that had anything to do with your mother working at a nursing home and kind of seeing because she must have had some sort of love for the elderly too. My mother is the consummate caregiver. In fact, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone else like her when it comes to the support of others. And it, you're right. It, it's exactly where that passion was born because I would get out of school and if I didn't want to go home, it'd be by myself because the house, my mom worked crazy hours. So she had to support us. I would go to the nursing home and I would do my homework in the, uh, you know, their break room. And I spent a ton of time in that nursing home. I literally grew up in that nursing home. So I would hear the stories my mom would tell about what some of the folks that lived there went through. Mm-hmm. You know, some had no family, some, you know, perhaps wouldn't, you know, ever have a visitor come see them. Some were struggling financially. Some, you know, needed resources. And I heard all of those stories over and over during the course of my life. And so whenever I got into law enforcement, this this niche became available and it was a natural fit for me. And 
it's something that uh, I'm extraordinarily passionate about, and I've been able to serve on a, on a Senate task force uh, exploring elder abuse, elder neglect. Uh, very fortunate to be able to help with some legislation in that, in that area as well, way before any thought of me being a senator was ever in the conversation. Uh, but it was completely inspired by my mother and my, my experience at uh, the nursing home. You know, our grandmother's in a nursing home, and, and for someone to work there 40 years is just amazing. You must have, she must have a passion, because, like, my grandmother, the turnover rate is, like, you go in there, and it's, it's a new employees every time, even, like, from the director on down. You know what I'm saying? I haven't seen somebody there 40 minutes, let alone 40 years, so she just must have had an incredible passion for it. Just incredibly dedicated um, passionate, um, just a love of people. And I think that you just have to be that person, right? Because uh, it's not for everybody. It's hard work. Uh, you know, CNAs, nurses assistants, you're talking about heavy lifting. You're talking about uh, doing the types of things that most people don't want to do, you know, cleaning up after people. Um, it's, it's a tough, tough job. And with crazy hours and the pay isn't what it should be. For caring for another human being, the compensation rate is way too low. But uh, but you're right; it takes a special person to work in that environment for that long of a period of time. But I wish we had more people like my mom out there. I do too. Um, now, I want to kind of get uh, into one thing I wanted because I put something on our Facebook. I said, "Hey, uh, if anybody has questions for Chris, uh, you know, let us know." Chris with a K, and. Uh, <laughs> Chris with a K, was a Kevin shot. with a K. I get it now. That was a I, shot. That was a shot at you. Yeah, I know. No, his his brother's name is spelled a C. <laughs> um, so uh, now a lot of people want want us to ask about ask you about this because um, one, you've been in law enforcement so long, and now you're you're in the political realm, and this is a hot topic, trending, whatever the kids are saying these days. Um, but talking about the new safety act. Uh, did I say that right? It's safety. Is that what it's called? Yeah, right? safety. Safety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, safety act. Um, and, and people kind of, what's your thoughts on that? And and I'm going to kind of, let me see if I get my, all my notes here, Ross, my research, printed this up. Um, and it, you got it. Where did you get a printer? Let's start there first. Listen to this. Where did this Are come you ready from? For this? this is Chris, the first time Pride he's printed. Fitness got their first printer cool. slash copier yesterday. <laughs> and that is not even a joke. <laughs> Haley hooked it up yesterday. I picked it up yesterday at Best Buy. Haley uh, and hooked it up last night. It's all business we down We now here. have a Damn. printer down here. Wow. We're rolling. We have a sign on the building and we have a printer. <clears throat> We're legit. Okay. We'll talk okay. about the sign on the building later. <laughs> Anyway, so I guess what that thing is is now there's a lot of like offenses out there that like uh, the police officers show up and normally where they would take them take them to jail or detain them or whatever you want to call it now they're just issued a citation and I don't and who knows what you find on the internet if these things are right or wrong this says beginning January first two thousand twenty three these are uh, non detainable offenses aggravated battery aggravated DUI aggravated fleeing arson burly blah 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 I mean they're all pretty crazy things that you'd think think here Ross you want to check out my notes well I, I mean I've read this too um, <clears throat> one that really sticks out I mean those those ones that you just said stick out second degree murder is on there so is this I'm is this true or what what's so we can get in the woods on this. First off, what I'm going to say is, you know, I wasn't in the General Assembly when the Safety Act was passed. Had I been mm -hmm. there, I would have voted no. My predecessor voted no. 
Um, when it comes to, and I'm not going to be in a position where I defend it in its entirety. In its entirety, I, I, I disagree with some of the things that are in there. And I would say um, this. Um, I know me and him, we, we stay open-minded for sure. You know, when I first see something like this, you know, a lot of people start blowing up comments and things like that, all negative, like, boom, they're on. You know, I, I always try to think, well, there has to be a reason for why this would get passed by so many people, by the majority. Right. So first off, there are provisions that allow for a judge to hold on to somebody. Um, they've got 48 hours. Uh, the preponderance is on the state to show that this person is a threat, right? So there are still mechanisms in place for judges to hold on to people. So if somebody commits second-degree murder, they're not just walking out of the jail. That's, okay. that, yeah, I that's, think that's what we need to... That what we're, and that's, that's misleading. Yeah, um, okay. But, but uh, equally... Clarity I'm, on it. Equally, I'm going to say this, is that we have to ensure that our judges, without exception, have the ability on a case-by-case basis to look at those that come into the criminal justice system to determine if they do need to remain in our jail or if they are someone that perhaps can be released on their own recognizance. I don't think anybody, even the most you know cynical uh, person you know that maybe is, is a, a hardened police officer of thirty years who is you know by the book, the law is the law. You go to jail. Nobody's going to disagree. I don't think that someone should sit in the county jail for a nonviolent offense, let's say a first-time offender, and simply just sit there and not have a chance to get out because they're indigent, just yeah. because they can't pay. Mm-hmm. You know, the line that separates most of us is, is a thin one, and that also goes for those that find themselves in jail sometimes. But, and, and, and to add to that real quick, I guess one of the positives that I could think about this would that it may help the innocent until proven guilty. So, as saying is, I mean, if you come, you arrest me, and I really am innocent, and now I go sit in jail because the bail is too high, and now I lose my job, you know, because I because I'm in on bail that's too high, but I really didn't do this, and but I really haven't had the chance to prove my innocence because I'm being detained for the time being, you know. So, I guess that's one little positive. Is that a positive, or am I thinking? I, I mean, am I, I thinking would wrong? Say, I would say that that's a positive. I, but again. You know, my thought on it is we have to make sure that our judges have the ability to hold on to those that are predisposed to hurting others, period. And I don't I don't see any other any other viable or common sense approach to this issue that we have to allow our judges to have that discretion. And, and that's number one when you think about a negative is you see these stories where uh, I'll just take New York, for instance, they come out of there more often. They have more people. But it's all right. Somebody had. um Somebody was just let out of jail for domestic battery, and now they killed someone on the subway when maybe they should have still been locked up. You know, that's a, that's a huge concern. Right. So, I mean, it's, you know, these issues, you know, and like I said, I, I, I don't want to be in a position where I sound like I'm defending it because I'm really contrary to some of the things that are in it. Yeah. Um, am I going to tell you everything in that act is bad? No, because not all of it is. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, body cameras. Body cameras, uh, that's a mandate within the Safety Act. I think body cameras are a wonderful thing. As a police executive, as a, someone that teaches at the academy, I think every police officer should have a body cam. However, if the state's going to mandate that every police department have body cams, well, who's going to pay for that? And we're going to put something punitive in place that's going to punish the department because we're mandating it or 
should the state perhaps pony up and appropriate some money to help fund this mandate? Because right now it's an unfunded mandate. So while I believe that body cams are a great thing, I think it's a great thing for our communities. Yeah. It provides for transparency. Equally, I think it's a great thing for the officer because it's going to show exactly, well, it's going to show the perspective of what happened that the, that the body cam can capture. Absolutely. I think that's a wonderful thing. But then again, there's also the bad part of it is it's an unfunded mandate, meaning these departments that perhaps don't have the resources are left to their own volition to find a way to pay for it. Um, when it comes to cash bail, do so, I believe? So every every police department has to have these by January 1st? No, that, it goes in increments, and it goes yeah. based on, I think, the uh, amount of population that the department, respected department, serves. So it's been, it's been implemented in stages, uh, depending on how big of a jurisdiction the so department's So bigger have. the— Later. Later, smaller, the early, early. earlier. <laughs> I, I mean, I see how you, because you, have, you have to buy more cameras yeah. because there's more, you know, there's more officers. But then again, in those areas, there's probably more crime need. <laughs> yeah, probably more need. Huh. But the uh, the cash bail thing, though, I mean, it's I, I believe in equity. I believe that we do need to make sure we have a system that's fair. And I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, at least no one that's of sane mind will say that we should mm-hmm. have a system that's unbalanced or unfair. But I think we have to have common sense when we move forward with these types of things. And I think it's important that we have a dialogue about it. And I think like anything, though, ultimately, we we talk this thing out. We work with the lawmakers. We work with the judges. We work with the police. And we figure this out together. Okay, let me me stop you there. So common sense. I hope that judges can can use common sense on this. I I do. Um, This one isn't common sense to me. Um, same as you family and all. Um, and I hope there's some clarity maybe that I don't know on this. So what about trespassers? If somebody is looking in my daughter's window and I call the police, they can't arrest that individual anymore. They can only write him a ticket. So if he chooses to stand there, I'll accept my ticket. And then could he continue to stand there? Or I guess I could take it farther. Someone's going to decide they want to move into my shed. I call the cops. They can't come and arrest this guy who just keeps sleeping in my shed night after night. They can only write him tickets. Right. So in, in that regard, that that's a been, that was a big issue. Um, and that was the message that was purveyed whenever everybody knew this was coming. And that was one of the things that we had heard early on. Um, that absolutely is an issue. And, and, and the problem with with that scenario is it's not it's not a one-size-fits-all. And what's unique about police work is, although you may go to a call for service that may seem like it's like many others you've been on, each one is going to be different. And there are always variables and circumstances that make each one different. And then that's when an officer's discretion is so important. That a discretion means that they have the ability to interject their life experience, what they know through their police and training what they're seeing in front of them right there at the moment to make the best choice that they possibly can for the person that they're dealing with that perhaps may end up arrested and also for the person that called for the victim and for the community as a whole we cannot take away that discretion from our officers because we train them we educate them yes as law enforcement as an officer myself we can always get better but we have to empower our law enforcement to be able to do the job that needs to be done I have the same concern that you have in regard to that, to the, the trespasser issue. Now it's my understanding that they can be brought to the police department, fingerprinted, 
photographed and then released from there. So that is my understanding. Do we need to get that cleared up? Absolutely we do. And again, you know, you asked what is one of the reasons, why would you want to do this? And I'll put it very bluntly. I'm on the back end of my police career. I have had a tremendous career and I've loved every minute of it. I would not change it for anything. We need people to get into this profession. My son is in the first six months of his police career. My nephew is in his first few months in this in his career. It was it was issues like the Safety Act that inspired me. You know, my life was pretty good um, before any talk of the Senate came up. Um, we're talking about the legacy of, of, a, of, a, of a career um, that I have loved. I want my kids to have and my nephew to have the same type of a opportunity at a good life and career that I had. And we have to ensure that we're taking the resistors off of our law enforcement to where they can do our jobs. As someone that's aging, as someone that has concerns of, you know, what's going to happen to me when I get old, I need to make sure that we have good common sense laws that prevent the scenario that you just gave from coming to fruition, right, from happening. And I, I believe that we'll get there. But that is, that's my mission, is to, to be that person. There's nobody like me in the General Assembly. There's <laughs> nobody. There's just not. There's, there's no one up there that has my body of experience in, in the realm of law enforcement. There's nobody that's been out there that has the scenario that you gave. I have handled those calls before. Yeah. I have been there. I know what it looks like, and I know what's at stake if we do not let our officers do their jobs. I know what's at stake if we don't let our judges do the jobs that they were sworn to do. And the consequences are great. And that is one of the reasons why I decided to do this. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving potentially, um, you know, a, a world of comfort because, not because I'm a martyr, because I'm not. I'm just a guy. But a guy that wants change. But I know I, I'm frustrated like everybody else, and not just with the Safety Act uh, necessarily, but, you know, a lot of things, right? I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a lifelong resident of this, of this district, um, born and raised in the town that we're in now. And, you know, I believe that it's important that we, our Southern Illinois values, our values here in Bethalto and Wood River uh, and everywhere else in the district, that those are represented in Springfield. And I don't believe that that's always the case. And I think it's important that we have somebody from here that knows exactly what the Safety Act is, the problems that are there with it, and not just the Safety Act, but that goes for any laws that are enacted. People that have real life experience that know what struggle is, that can go and provide perspective, and then the second part of that's representation, to actually speak up on behalf of the people that they're representing. You know, I don't owe anybody in, in, in Springfield or Chicago anything. And, you know, contrary to what's been pervaded on social media, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm not a Chicago Democrat. I mean, that's that's insane. I'm, I'm the same guy, like I told you guys before, that you knew that you saw at Schnucks grocery shopping or you know, eating uh, at the brick house. I'm just a guy like everybody else that happens to be been, been blessed to have a platform to actually make a difference. You know, I was given the opportunity either to put up or shut up. And, you know, I opted for, for, for showing up and do trying to do my part. Now, I'm not perfect. Uh, you know, I'm a flawed man. And I stand before both of you guys now saying that I'm, I'm just a man. I'm a father. I'm a brother. I'm a son. I'm a police officer. And, um, but I can tell you this, that I know this district. I was born and raised in this district. I, I have been in every city in this district advocating for our communities for over two decades. I know what is needed here. I speak the language of people here because I am, that's who I am. 
And that is what Springfield needs. We need that representation. And by God, that's what I intend to do. And, you know, for as long as I'm in the Senate seat, that's going to be the approach my office takes. I love the, um, the consequences are great. Love that line mm-hmm. because they really are. I mean, I think more, more than ever, the consequences are greater than what they ever have been. And I say that to the people listening to make sure you, you go out, you do your due diligence on, on people like Chris that are running, get out and vote. And because the consequences are great for, for things that are getting passed like this, you know, I, I don't, I haven't looked into it enough to know if I'm for or against. When I see things like that printed up, I'm like, I'm against. You know what the internet does. Yeah, exactly. Um, But the consequences are great for, for, I mean, me, right off the bat, the the number one thing, somebody's staring in my daughter's window or, or, or something like that. And so I think everybody needs to understand how great the consequences are. Do your due diligence. Um, on people like Chris and get out there and vote. Right. Because not enough people do. Right. Yeah. And make your determination, you know, not off of Facebook. I mean, do sit Please. down, <laughs> sit down and have a conversation <laughs> with the candidates. Right. Yeah. And then more importantly, you know, what were the candidates doing before the lights and cameras were rolling? You know, what was the body of work before they were coming to you asking for you to vote for them? And, Again, I'm not saying that I'm perfect because I'm not. I'm far from it. Um, but I and every, everybody should hear that again. <laughs> what were the candidates doing before they came to ask for your vote? Right, and it's. I think it's important, and we should be paying attention to that. And you know, when it comes down to the to the party system, you know, and you know, when we get to a point when we're basing our decision whether or not I'm going to vote for someone, whether they have a D after their name or an R after their name. That to me is insane because you're in you're, this you're, studio. We find that <laughs> right. a little, a little, a little wrong. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, but it's but that's what we're seeing now, right? Yeah. It comes to, wrong. Okay. I don't want to say the word wrong, but I think they should. You should be open more minded than that. I agree, and I think I think voting for the wrong reasons is what's gotten the situation to begin yeah. with. Yeah. And I think that you have to start looking at the person and not just looking at the letter that to me is insane and that's how I've always approached it and maybe I'm an anomaly I don't know and I and maybe perhaps the you know Democrats don't want me to say this but I've always looked at the the candidate and I'm going to continue to do that you look at the person that represents what you think aligns with what your belief system is what's important to you and who is going to represent you and then that should be the person that gets your vote and you know when it comes down to like I said you know watching what was happening before they were asking for your vote. That is so important. You know, it's, you know, was the person invested in the community? You know, were they, were they, were they walking the walk? Are they, are they just, are they just saying whatever they feel like they need to say to, to earn your, your endorsement? And uh, again, when I, when I tell you that, you know, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not a perfect individual, but I can tell you this, that, that I've dedicated my life to fighting for people that were vulnerable uh, for senior citizens, um, for those that are marginalized and I've done so because I've been that person and, uh, and I've seen the other side of things and um, I'm always going to be there and I'm always going to be willing to make the tough decisions. I'm never going to skip out on a vote. Um, I'm never going to take money away from the police. Um, and I think those are something that's worth saying again, I will always show up for every vote and I will never take anything away from first responders or from the police. Um, that will not happen. That will never be something that I support. And I will always be a voice for this community. I will always be a voice for our police. And, um, 
you know, you can take that to the bank. And um, I am who I am. You know, we talked about all roads leading to this juncture in life. Again, had I come to this station in life, you know, maybe at 30 or in my late 20s, I wouldn't have been prepared for it. But at this juncture, I know exactly who I am. And, you know, I, I know what I believe in. And nobody is going to tell me what I should believe or what I shouldn't believe. Nobody is going to bully me into to doing something that I don't agree with. My responsibility is to my constituents. It is to the people that live in my district. That is my sole responsibility. That is who I answer to. Um, there is no one in Chicago. There's no one in Springfield that's going to tell me what I need to do or how I need to vote. Um, and that's important. And um, again, you, uh, you know, look at the candidate, look at what they have done, you know, look at how they carry themselves in public. Um, do they have the fortitude to be able to, to take that stance? And I can tell you that I've been in the pressure cooker for many, many years. And when it comes down to tough decisions, when it comes down to, you know, confrontations on important topics, I'm not going to be the first one to blink. And that's just not going to happen. And uh, again, that's why I decided to do this, because that I know I, I know I have the fortitude to do it. He's also not afraid to step in the ring because you've, you've done the guns and hoses, haven't you? I have. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, but yeah, guns and hoses. I've been on the committee there for uh, for 20 years. Uh -huh. um, and yeah, I've actually fought in guns and hoses three times. Yeah, I remember that when we were down at the hit squad, uh, he came down there and you trained with Ryan Davis and down down in Granite City for I, a while, right? I did. I trained at Knuckles Gym for yeah. off and on for about 15 years. Yeah. And uh you know, talk about finding out what you're made out of <laughs> one, one way or the other. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> but uh, I'm glad you brought Guns and Hoses up because that season is nearly here. And, and for those that don't know that are listening, Guns and Hoses is the largest fundraising branch of Backstoppers. Backstoppers is an organization that provides money and resources to families of fallen first responders. They actually come in. They ensure that that family virtually is debt-free. Uh, in the face of just tremendous loss and tragedy. And their annual operating budget's about $2.5 million a year to provide for those families. Unfortunately, that need continues to grow. And Guns and Hoses last year raised a million dollars for backstoppers. Wow. And what Guns and Hoses is, law, it's law enforcement versus fire uh, in a boxing uh, exhibition down at uh, Enterprise Center in downtown St. Louis, Thanksgiving Eve every year. Uh, one of the longest standing uh, Thanksgiving traditions in this region. It's just a wonderful night. It's always Thanksgiving Eve this year. Doors open at 430. Or we like to call Skanksgiving, Ross, is what you like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, it's fun to watch. I remember Guns and uh, Hoses when it first started. It's been fun to just watch it grow. And now it's just like this, you know, this phenomenal uh, event you know that people look forward to all the time it it's has so evolved fun. in fact you know it was televised last year and it was actually uh nominated for a local emmy oh really yeah if you can believe that but uh it's a tremendous tremendous organization every dime goes back to the families uh backstoppers is the same way all the uh all the board that governs backstoppers they do it free of charge they don't charge a thing all that money goes back to the families Please get behind backstoppers. Get behind guns and hoses. It's something that it's it's been one of the honors of my life to be involved with that organization, and uh, it's something that I intend to be involved with until uh, the day that I die. I love that. Yeah, I, I remember you coming down there and, and then getting with Davis or whatever. That's that's fun. Ross was the the employee down there working the desk, working so diligently. I set a record for most employee of the month awards. <laughs> 
<laughs> that you did. Because <laughs> you literally slept there. <laughs> um, now, I don't, I don't know anything about your candidate, and I don't know if you want to speak about uh, your candidate. Um, That's what I, w- I was going to ask something on that, too. Differences. I don't know who the candidate is. Say his name. You don't say his name. Her, him. Um, how, what's, what's, let's throw it out there. Like how, how, what, and I think you've probably already touched on it, but what makes you better than the candidate you're running for? Great, <laughs> great question. And you know, okay. I, you know, I'm reluctant, you know, to, to say, you know, disparaging things. Yeah. I, you don't I, want to do I, a, I, a I smear campaign that you see I, a lot of them do. And I'll be honest with you at this <laughs> station in my life, the, the negativity that comes along with, with politics isn't, something that I'm enamored by. I, um, you know, I've gone through great measures throughout my life to try to eliminate toxic things, you know, right? You try to surround yourself with people that are positive, environments that are positive. And I knew going into this that there would be some of that, right? You certainly see it on social media. Um, so, you know, I, we're talking about trying to be the light in, in, you know, I, I, I try to adhere to that. And, um, what I'll say is this, um, when it comes down, I, I've been, you know, working for the sheriff's office now for, for, for many years. Um, I don't know her personally. I, I'm sure that she's a, a fine person. Um, you know, I do know that, you know, she has abstained from some important votes on the county board. And I, I, I as, as a member of, you know, as a resident of Madison County, that's something that I think needs to be improved upon. I don't think, I think we have a responsibility. And that means showing up when times are tough and uh, making those tough decisions. Uh, even when it's a difficult one to make, you know, perhaps professionally or personally, that's our obligation. And I've got an issue with money being taken from law enforcement. And I got an issue with people saying they back the blue. People get very cavalier with saying, I back the blue. It's become kind of cliche, right? Well, wear the flag with a blue line on it. And right. Then, yeah, Which is what, great. What's your record? What, what's, but, what have you done? Right. Do you really back the blue? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can tell you that our budget was cut by nearly a million dollars um, last year. This is Madison uh, County. This is Madison County mm-hmm. Sheriff's Office. And, um, you know, by my opponent, was one of those persons that casted that vote. Uh, she was one of the people that was a part of that. And I do take exception to that because mm-hmm. I believe you take money away from law enforcement, you lose the honor of saying that you back to blue. And when you say, and, and I mean this 100%, it is an honor to be able to say that you back to blue. And I think that it's a badge you have to earn. And if you truly back to blue, you're not saying it and then turning around and cutting money from law enforcement whenever we have plenty of money in the coffers. And we do have millions of dollars in the coffers to where we can take care of our first responders to ensure that the vital services that this county and this state need are provided for. Um, but beyond that, you know, I think when it comes to why I believe that I'm a better candidate, my life experience, the perspective that I bring, um, again, just uh, the fact that I'm not a career politician, this isn't something you know, I'm not necessarily comfortable with the limelight, I think. And I don't, you know, the, the commercials and all of that and the billboards is something, quite frankly, that I could do without. I, I, I'm not interested in 15-second sound bites. I'm not interested in FaceTime on TV or on social media. I want to get to work. And the reason why I did this was to make change. And you make change by getting to work, by sitting down, bringing people together. I'm sick of the finger pointing. I, I, I'm done with it. I'm done with Republicans blaming the Democrats for everything. I'm done with Democrats blaming the Republicans. 
let's come together and let's get to work. And I know that I have the ability to bring people together. I've done it my entire career. I, I created a grassroots organization. I founded it, Madison County Triad. Um, that is a, that's a multi-jurisdictional disciplinary uh, coalition of stakeholders throughout the entire district that all serves one purpose, and that is protecting vulnerable populations and senior citizens. You know, throughout, whether major case squad and, and, and working complex murder investigations, I have always had the ability to rally people and bring them together. That's what you need in a lawmaker. That's what I want to see in a lawmaker. I want to see someone that's able to say, you know what, you're a Republican, but you have a fantastic idea. This is a great idea for our district, for our state. Let's run with this. This is great. And equally, I want Republicans to be able to say, hey, Democrats, this is a great idea. Let's, let's work together on this. Let's make this happen. Why can't we do that? I don't understand that. And then furthermore, I mean, it's gotten so polarized where Republicans won't be photographed with Democrats, even though they're friends. <laughs> yeah. They're friends. Yeah. You know, or how many times now have we had conversations with people, and you guys have probably experienced it. Oh, that guy's a Democrat. I can never vote for him. Are you actually getting into a debate or an argument because people get so nasty about it? Just, they don't know the person, but just because of their party affiliation, it's almost like a bad word to say their name or to say that you may support them. That, to me, is insane, and that's yeah. not sustainable. We cannot, we cannot move forward like that. And what I am committed to is absolutely working together because that's the only way out of the mess that we're in. And if we can't compromise, that's how all great things are born, right? You have a conversation, but a conversation is what? It's listening and it's talking. It's not one or the other. And it's certainly not everybody yelling at one another. And I've grown tired of, of the yelling and I've grown tired of the finger pointing. And again, another reason why, you know, going back to the very first question, why did you decide to do this? That's why. I, I, I believe that I have the ability to bridge that gap and I'm committed to doing it. Um, I'm not afraid of tough conversations. I, uh, I'm not afraid of, of standing up to my own party, uh, and I'm certainly not afraid to come across the aisle and stretch out my hand and get things done with, 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 with Republicans. I, I don't think not everything has to be partisan, right? I mean, we're one people. We're the same. I mean, we come from the same communities, right? Just because one has an R, one has a D, we can't work together. That's insane to me, right. and I, I just don't adhere to it. I don't buy into it, and we have to come together um, to get things done. We're never going to have a better, a never uh, uh, have a better society or a better district to live in if we don't figure out a way to come together and, and get things done together. Uh, one thing with what you said, kind of going back a little bit, is you you talked about the billboards and the ads and things like that, and and one thing, one reason I, I, I know that you're here to make change and really do things is because when I, because I've known you a long time. He came to circuit in the yard. He, like I said, he did some, some boxing out the hit squad. And I saw you running, running, you know, like running for this. And I'm like, that, that doesn't seem like, you're not like the guy that wants to be, you don't want to be on the microphone. You don't want to be out there shaking hands and kissing babies, so to speak. You know, it's, it's not really your personality. You're kind of a, a no-nonsense, get the job done, you know, like uh, plug ahead. And when I saw you run, I'm like, that's not, because you just kind of think of politicians as being those guys who want to stand on top of a soapbox and, and yell and have their face all over the place. But that's why I was so shocked. But it's also why I'm like, the dude wants some change. That's why he's doing this. Do you know what I'm saying? To, to, to help this community. Yeah. You know, I've always been a doer and I've always tried to lead by example. And this, 
was an opportunity for me to do that. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to see you guys in the grocery store. I'm going to see you at the restaurant. And I, I want you to be able to have a conversation with me. I want you to be proud to say, hey, you know when that guy, you know, that guy lives in Bethalto. He's from Woodruff. I know that guy. And I, I want us to have that relationship. And even if we disagree, I want us to be able to have a conversation and be able to make eye contact in the grocery store and not have anywhere. That's what I want because if I don't have my integrity, if I don't, you know, if I don't, if I don't carry, you know, my mom's name with, with some pride, I, I, I don't know why I'm doing it. I, I, I want my family to be proud of me. I want my kids to be proud of me. I want you guys to be proud of me. I want to represent you guys, and I want you guys to know that you can call my office and trust that, that the right things are going to be done. Um, that's important to me. But when it comes to games and the, 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 the gamesmanship that you see on social media, I, I really have no, no time for it. it. I have no interest in it at all. Um, I want to get things done. I, that's all I've ever done is just, okay, there's a problem. Let's figure out what the solution is. Let's execute that plan and let's get the problem fixed. And that's how I've always done things. And that's how I intend to do them in, in Springfield. Now I know it's not going to be that simple, but I'm willing to put the work in and, you know, we're going to give them hell. And that's, that's what I signed up for. And that's what I intend to do. How, how much going into the campaign uh, trail, do you, I guess, study or think about, or even care what your opponent does? You just focus on you or, or there are times where, Oh, they've said this, I need to rebuttal what my opinion is on it or, or, I know you say, you know you stay in that positive zone, which I which I love, but I just I just wonder how much how much does that go into? Okay, this is what my opponent's doing. This is what I have to do to counter that. Or, well, I can't control what my opponent does. Um, she's going to do what she's going to do. Um, the only thing that I can control is me and you know how I carry myself. Um, you know, there are things that 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 are unsettling to me. Um, you know, when I say that this Senate seat. It's always been a voice for everybody. It has to remain that way. I mean, and there are some things that I have seen that that are concerning to me. I, you know, when it comes to, you know, without getting into the woods on things, but it's, you know, everybody's, you know, the big, some of the big polarizing issues, you know, um, gun control, women's rights, all of these things are coming out right now and become push-button topics, uh, safety act. Um, it's important that we're cognizant of, you know, let's talk about women's rights. I mean, it's 2022. I mean, I think we have to be very careful when we start stripping away rights of people. Um, when it comes to gun control, do we want to take away rights of, of, of good people, yet we still have to figure out a way to, to counter gun violence? But we have to be careful that we're not taking two steps back as far as, you know, treading on the rights of others or taking away things that, 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 that people have had to work so hard for decades to get. And I, I fear that perhaps in some genres we may be going backward, and that concerns me. And um, I think it's important that in leadership that we, that we ensure that women's voices are always heard, that, you know, that, that responsible individuals within our society have the right to, to have a gun if they, if, they, if they want one. Hey, Todd. Do you feel like I just got the politician answer, like the the beat around the bush there? I mean, I don't think we've got that too much today, but I might have got it right there. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to my question. Right. On on When it comes to your political strategy... I hope he punches you in the nose. <laughs> God, don't punch me in the nose. 
how much how much when it comes to your strategy do you focus on your opponent at all? Because I'm I'm asking this in general of a of campaigning. I don't. I, I I don't. I I do what I feel is conducive to our mission. Um, my my goal is to let people know who I am and and to listen. And you know when people ask me, and you asked this question earlier, and I don't think I answered it very well. Is you know what are you going to do in Springfield? You know what are you going to do to be that politician that you want to be? And the first step of that is listening. Um, you know, making yourself available, making yourself accessible, and just listening to what people have to say, letting people know that that's that's what my job is, right? And that is um, that's important. And I, I I don't focus on what my opponent's doing. I can't. I don't focus on negative um, comments that are made on social media. Uh, I haven't the time for it, and I haven't the time to worry about what my opponent's doing. I, the time is too precious. I need people to know who I am. I need people to know my story. I need people to know what I believe in and what I believe is important, and I hope that they come to a better understanding of who I am as their senator now and as the candidate to hold on to that seat and that they're able to make the most informed decision they possibly can. And I certainly can't do that if I'm worried about yeah. what my opponent's doing. I like that. There's too, too many opponents you start seeing, they're just back and forth, back yeah. and forth. They're worried about what their opponent's doing so much. And I want to know what you believe in. Right. Yeah, and I think that's important. And it's I, I have no interest in uh, the drama of that. I just it's just To me, it's a waste of time. Yeah. And, and time in this world is simply too precious. What's your favorite band of all time? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Curveball. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Def Leppard guy. A Def Leppard. I was not expecting that. Yeah, Def Leppard's my my jam. Um, but I love all music though. I uh big concert guy. My wife and I try to catch as many as we possibly can. But uh What we, was the last concert you attended? The stadium tour. So <laughs> I guess that was Def Leppard, Poison, my, wasn't it? Motley Crue. Yeah. Joan uh, Jack. <laughs> it was phenomenal, by the way. Uh, that was the last concert, I believe. But typically, we go to at least four or five a year. This, Dang. this year's I wow! I just I just threw that out there for no reason. Wow! Well, I did throw it out there because I'm bragging because I'm going to see Pearl Jam on <laughs> Sunday, Ross. I, <laughs> no, that'd have been awesome to see. <laughs> I mean, it's my third time. What's um what are, in your district? What are some of the things that you have found out about your district that you didn't know about? If it was a a, a a gym restaurant or that you were you're off somewhere and you found out about or or just some cool things that you found out about your dis- district you didn't know that's a good question being out on the trail and you know i I'm a, I'm a big local guy so you know when it comes to you know one of the good things about coming from a small town and coming from the area that we grew up in is you know where to go to get the best pizza you know where to go to get the best wings you yeah. know where yeah. to go to get you know an ice cold beer those are all things that i think that i already knew you know, what I would say is I had an, uh, an opportunity yesterday to go to this called the Merchant's Bridge, and it's a freight rail bridge that crosses the Mississippi. It's down in Venice. And to be honest, I didn't know it was there. I, I had no idea. Never heard of it. And it, it just, they just, it had been, it's been there for 130 years. They just, uh, they just rebuilt it basically to make it, uh, it's capable now of carrying twice the, the freight which is a huge thing for our district, right? Because we're already a hub for 
for commerce. But now we've just doubled the capacity, which not only is going to make things better in Illinois, but it's going to make things better around the country, right? Because we have two international airports. We have a viable waterway that goes all the way to the Gulf. Um, we have this interstate system where all the interstates converge in our district. We are a prime location for development. You know, the infrastructure is in place, and we need to improve upon it more than what we have. But we're already doing a ton to ensure that we've got great infrastructure to allow that commerce to come into our district and to our state. The Merchants Bridge didn't know about it. I got an education at yesterday, and it's tremendous. And as a that's leg- a great answer, by the way. Yeah. And as a legislator, though, those are the things that get me really excited because you see the potential for this area. You know, when I saw this building come back to life, I mean, how long had this building we're in right now set dormant? And now it's injected with this new life. That gets me excited, yeah. right? You know, you look about what's going on throughout the area. You know, look at Alton and Alton Works and what they're doing along that corridor. It's amazing. You go down into Granite City, and although Granite City's facing some hardships now, you know, the steel mill is talking about, you know, cutting a bunch of jobs and moving part of their operation out of the area. But that does not negate the fact that the mayor down there and the folks in Granite City are doing tremendous work rejuvenating their downtown district. If you haven't been down there, go down and check it out. It's it's awesome. It's vibrant. It's a great place to be. Um, Collinsville, Main Street, they've done a ton of work there. Uh, get a chance to go down there and walk around. Go get a coffee one day. You know, Go get a drink at, at one of their local establishments. Look at the brick house. Look how far you have come. I mean, I drive by that thing, and I'm like, <laughs> it's always oh, growing. Like, holy, what's I mean, going but, on over there? You're like, holy smokes. <laughs> but but that, that has to incite so much pride in you guys as it does in me. And I'm not a member of your family. I'm just a guy that lives in Bethalto, was born and raised in this area. I know what that building once was, and I see what it is today. That's an awesome thing. It's incredible. Thank and you. It, it, and you deserve all the credit for it. It's, it's, it's incredible. And it's, that is what gets me excited about, about being a legislator. And those are things that I have a profound level of, of gratitude for because, you know, I do have a chance to be out a lot and, and to see things and to uh, experience those types of things. And we have a lot of reason. You know, we all too often you turn on the news, you know, you turn on the 5, the 7 o'clock, the 10 o'clock, and what kind of news do you see? Negative. Yeah. Negative or bad news, right? But the fact of the matter is there's a lot of good things that are happening, but we feed our minds with all this negativity, and that's all social media is, is people complaining about things. We don't focus on the positives, right? We are in a building right now of positivity. <laughs> I mean, there, this is awesome, right? This, this didn't even exist. Yeah. And look at it now. Look at the brick house. It didn't even exist. Right. Look what you've built. That is something to be excited about. So to your question, um, I've, it's just been reaffirmed for me on how awesome our area really is yeah. and, and, and how things are in place for it to really explode. And you just need good leadership. You need somebody that's got vision and someone that's willing to steward that vision into reality. I think we found him. I think so. You know, real quick on that, I, I like what he said about the seeing positivity and negativity. I, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about if you're always seeing the negative anything of things, like you're always focusing on the negative, that's all you'll ever see. If you focus on the positive, that's all you see. It's kind of like if you start thinking about like, man, I'd like to buy a yellow car. All you're going to see mm-hmm. is yellow cars. All, like all of a sudden, there's a yellow car. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's the same way with just your mindset of thinking of negative or positive things. You know, mm-hmm. you see those. You have those friends on Facebook. That it's like all they're on there is being just negative all the time. So that's all that's like showing up for them. You know, I think it's it's a big mindset. A huge mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
That's why I love these conversations. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you could really go deep into what you just said. I mean, going through and, well, you know, I'll take Twitter. I'm a big Twitter guy. Going through and unfollowing people on Twitter that only put out this one-sided story of things. Um, and, I mean, you can make your timeline as positive, as negative, as Democrat, as Republican, as whatever side you want to pick on each topic in the world. You can make your timeline that if you choose to. But if you choose to be in the drama or whatever, you can make your timeline that. So You know, it's funny. I, Zuckerberg was just on Rogan, and I listened to it. And he was kind of, they were talking about algorithms and things coming up and, and you know, think what you want to about Zuckerberg. But he was saying, like, you know, people talk about, like, say they're a Democrat and all this Republican stuff keeps showing up on their timeline, stuff that they hate, and they they think we're planting it on there or whatever. No, it's because... Your algorithm, because that's what you're always commenting on, making negative comments on, on things you don't on. like. So it, they think the, the the algorithm thinks you like that stuff when actually <laughs> that's what you hate. So it keeps showing up. But that's that's the same. I mean, it, yeah. that's a weird little example, but it's the same way in life. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, so, Chris, this was awesome. Hey, I'm grateful. Outstanding, I, man. I, it really it really was, man. I can't so. thank you guys enough. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, it means the world to me to have the chance to come out and talk to you guys. No, I, I, to, you know, you gave us some props, and I'll give some back to you. I think I thought you did a, an excellent job of really getting your points across in a in a way that that hit with some with me. Some things really stick out, like when you, when you say uh, the consequences are great or the time is too valuable. I mean, you, you use some really powerful sentences and, and, and descriptions there that, that I think hit home with a lot of people, but you did, you did an outstanding job of getting your reasons and whys and your story across. He's got a good voice too, doesn't he? Very good. I I hate when we get people on here with good voices that make us sound so much worse. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) uh, Everybody? (laughs) (laughs) Well, a lot. Well, I appreciate the voice props. I wish I could do more with it. Well, with this, yeah, you got that. You got that face for uh, radio. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you got to lean into it, though, right? <laughs> right. Hey, brother. We like you said. Thank you very much for coming on. We super appreciate it. We can't wait to uh, to watch how this all plays out, and once you get in, see what the great things you do. And you got to promise us when you get big and you're out there making these great changes, you'll come back on and kind of talk to us again. Ross, making, do you have anything for him to sign to come back? I, I just want to hear it. I want to hear it. <laughs> What's that? that when someday when, you, when, you, when you're back in Senate and you're doing these great and positive things and there's this famous guy for, you, for churning this whole district around, it, that you'll come back on and, and remember us. That's Well, what, that's, that's what we a guarantee. Want. And if I could say one thing, if I could leave people with this, is you know, I hope I'm somebody that you can rally behind and that you can support and that you can vote for on November 8th. But if I'm not, and you know you see me out at the grocery store you don't have to put your head down and avoid me and we can disagree on things you cannot support me but we can still be friends and that's lost right now and i don't like it and you know i i want everybody out here listening and whether you're a friend of mine or you're a stranger you don't have to avoid me because you don't know you don't know that i'm somebody you could support uh, but if you have a question about me, just ask me. You know, my my I'm very accessible. I'll always make time. I'm not going to engage in a back and forth on social media with you. I'm not going to argue with you on a timeline. But if you want to come have a conversation, you want to come to my office, we'll talk. You want to get a cup of coffee, let's do it. But don't make presumptions about me. If you have a question about who I am, what I believe in, just come to me. And uh, I'll always make myself accessible. You don't have to avoid me if uh, if we went to school together and I'm not your cup of tea. That's fine. We could still be friends. 
Um, but let's love one another and let's uh, let's work together and uh, let's work for a better day. I, I believe win or lose, Chris is going to be out there doing great things for the community. Same. More great things. More. Well, I appreciate that, guys. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, Chris. All right, stick around. We'll have a little pregame or I'll say pre-show, post-show, post. Get it right. Get it right. Welcome back to the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. Little little post-show with uh, after Chris start. Uh, kind of get uh, me and Todd's opinions here, some thoughts. You know, I'll start off with one because I think this hits home with us, um, both of us, and um, people that influenced our lives, us trying to influence other lives. Um, but investing in someone. Right. You know, he had a couple people invest in him outside of his family that I think has pushed him to where he is today, what he became as a man. Uh, I, I, that hit home with me, invest in somebody. It can be big, it can be small. Yeah, I love that too. And, and you and I are big about that, kind of recognize people who've done that for us. I don't think a lot of people do that, but he really does. And there was a lot of, he had a lot of good people step up. Do you know what I'm saying? A police officer, a teacher, people who are, that have a lot of uh, inf- influence over young people and just people in general. Yeah, and I, I think, uh, you know, he, one, and I think everybody can do this, uh, take this with them, is that, you know, his, uh, his instructor at Lewis and Clark, um, who he gave a lot of credit to, you know, that was one conversation that really changed the direction of his life. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of reasons there where his instructor could have said, yeah, you are too busy for this right now. But he took you know, that's the easy route, but he took the hard route, gave him some positive influence and kind of made him believe that you, I do believe in you, you can do this. And that really, you know, put him on a different direction in his life. But that was one conversation, you know, and I, I think other people can take that as, man, you never know what your conversation, the, the positive or negative reaction you give somebody how much it could change their life. Yeah, like and so just, the whole rest of their life. Yeah, just one, just being that one time telling somebody, you know, giving someone that hand or being positive with them and telling, you know, telling them something that that could really change their life. So it's funny that you say that, giving them that hand. This is just a funny little goofy story, but it, it, this happened a few years ago, and it kind of made me think about like what I do with training kids. It made me think about like how much just one little thing I say or do influences them. But so, uh, the, the parent of, of, of a girl that was working out here, uh, she had messaged me and was talking about something. She's like, yeah, she said you gave her three high fives today during the workout. And I was like, I you did, know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> you know, and it was just like, I didn't realize that that meant so much to a kid. Yeah. Just give them a high five. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like sounds like the stupidest, easiest thing for me to do. But that kid went home and like bragged to their mom and who knows, you know, little goofy things like that can be influential, you know, forever. Who knows? Yep. Maybe they're having a bad day. And if I would have been negative to them, maybe that would have like steered them in just some weird direction. You yeah. know? So two things right there. Um, we'll kind of move on, but it just takes one time that right there. Yep. High fives. One conversation of saying, I believe in you, you can do this, um, but invest in somebody. Yeah. Best in someone. I like that. Um, you know, one a story that that caught me uh, off guard that I didn't see coming that I enjoyed there was their family didn't have a car until he was in high school, and he said, 
we still got the school and we still got the work. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do. You figure it out. And, and his brother was 10 years older than him. So that meant his brother went to high school and never had a car. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's people out there. And, and I mean, we all have our own little trials and tribulations. And, and I think what that, that does, doesn't, that story just doesn't mean you don't have a car. It could mean a, a, a thousand other things, but you still figure that out. All right. There's a huge obstacle in front of me. I could easily come up with this excuse. I don't have a car, so I can't make it to work. Mm-hmm. But they still did. He he played. He was you know. I play, I know he played a lot of sports, so that meant you know probably walking to and from a lot of practices. Yeah. You know, um, th- I'm sure this did, and I could kind of see in some of the things you said. But didn't his mom kind of remind you a lot of Sergeant Margaret? Oh yeah. Just the the Absolutely. consummate caregiver, and just you know making sure that her boys were you know. We're on the straight and narrow as much as possible, and just you know what I'm saying. It just it just resonated a lot with me. Just thinking about our mom and his mom. Yep. Um, her husband left her. She was a stay-at-home mom, and she had to figure it out. Yeah. And <laughs> yep. Ends up with a job for 40 years that she retired from. She was renting the house. She ended up owning the house. Uh, the most successful. The most the the. the the great, what did he say? The greatest success story that he knows of. Yeah, and and she's not a millionaire or anything, or even close to it. Yeah, but that the most success, yeah, best success story he knows. That's you know, like I said, and then he went on to this great, just giant, you know, law enforcement career, and now his son is in law enforcement. It's just, you know, what I'm saying, it's like she just bang, 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 passed it on down. Yeah, you know? a, a a good les- lesson to take in both his story and and that of his mother is, um, you know, he he described himself as an adult learner. Um, and then you see his mom who was a stay at home wife, uh, mother, and then goes off as an adult and has to learn a new set of skills. Uh, I think just because you're at a certain age in life doesn't mean you can't learn mm-hmm. and develop different skills to put your life in a different direction. And I think both of them did that. Mm-hmm. Um, hats off because it's harder as you get older to, to get out of that comfort zone. Uh, something that Chris didn't bring up, which is just, and, and this is how you know he isn't just a politician, because, like, I'll tell you what, it seemed like I threw him up a lot of softballs. Like, he told, Chris and I did not have a conversation before he came in here. Yeah. So that was just stuff I found out. So we weren't just feeding him. But something he didn't bring up that I found out about just through some some friends is, like, one, Chris is a cancer survivor. I don't know a whole lot about it. Mm-hmm. He didn't bring that like that would be as like a career politician like you know when I overcame cancer and came you know what I'm saying like didn't yeah, let it slow me down didn't say that his, his wife Jamie who I, I know really well also is had some health issues this hardening of her organs he didn't bring that up and then his one of his sons uh, has a, a this disease where it's like he's this rapid eye movement that just like messes with his whole like central nervous system like none of that was brought up i meant to bring that up just like hey how are you able to you guys able to uh you know get over these hardships and things like that to still be successful and we never even got to that and he didn't he didn't bring him he didn't offer it up either and what do you think that says about him i mean just that he'll fight through anything yeah you know so just yeah that was it was really good i i think I think one reason people won't like the show as much as is normal is that I wasn't able to talk as much. 
<laughs> crispy to the punch. <laughs> I'm kind of a fan favorite here, I think. And so <laughs> people are going to be highly disappointed. I might put some yeah. asterisks up on it, like Todd doesn't get to talk very much. <laughs> anyway, Pearl Jam. I'm going to Pearl Jam Sunday. I'm excited about that. What else we got going on? Anything? I see your boy. I see our boy Keck is walking. Our boy Keck is walking. His first. His first. Uh, his his first birthday is Thursday. Mm-hmm. Walking. Yeah. Uh, stuff. He's mobile now. Man. <laughs> it's, <crazy. sighs> it's that is crazy. That, that 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 was a quick year. It seemed like he was born a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. It, 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 that's, uh, that's all I can say. It's quick. It's unbelievable. He's a year. I say that out loud, and I'm like, oh, my God. It takes you back a little bit. Um, I'll say this. I say this all the time. I'm st- I feel so blessed to have these conversations with people like this. Man, really. You know what I'm saying? Like he was, uh, he think, how many times did he thank us after like we get off the air? Yeah. Like, I, I was 20 sitting, times. And, and I'm like, I, I want to thank him because thank you for just coming <laughs> in. And us, I just like hearing these people's story, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. We, we haven't made it. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but to think where we started um, sitting in the office and trying to come up with people who we're going to interview and things like that, and to have someone who's running for senator—is he, he, he? Yeah, he is. He, he I, is I, a senator I right now, sitting yeah, or something, yeah, whatever. Sitting. I don't know how that whole like. I think someone had to resign or step down or something like that. Yeah. I think he was appointed, but now he's running for yeah. election. But, but yeah, if you would have told us we're going to have a we're going to have a state senator on, like what? reach out to you to be on, you know, <laughs> yeah. something like what? Yeah, get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that we'll, we'll be begging Ty to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we already have. He, he keeps denying us. <laughs> good show, brother. Man, great show. Yep, good uh, time. This has been the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the Lock Executioner. Slay on, brother. Slay on.